Hey, Five Oaks family, this is week nine of our prayer training series, the last week of the series, specifically prayer training for the rest of us. There's no corresponding Bible course study for this one, so we go back to our usual practice of carrying forward our study and application to our small groups using the Sermon Application Guide. Uh, so be sure to download the Sermon Application Guide and then spend some time reflecting on the questions that are in that guide. Today we're focusing on praying scripture. That means praying by actually using the words of scripture. This can be a game changer in your prayer life. Uh, that's the testimony of George Mueller. George Mueller uh, lived for almost the entirety of the 1800s. He's known for his orphanages and his prayer life. And most notably, he's known for never asking anyone but God to supply the money needed in order to run the orphanages and feed literally hundreds of children every single day. He kept a prayer journal and he recorded, he said, 50,000 answers to prayer in his lifetime. Frankly, at first when I heard this, I was more impressed by the fact that he kept a record than by the answers. I've since repented. Mueller wrote this, uh, wrote about uh, a turning point in his prayer life. And it was when he discovered the relationship between the word of God, the Bible, and prayer. Because before he discovered it, he was distracted. He said he was bored by his own prayers. Afterward, his prayer life came alive and the rest is history. Our prayer life can come alive in the same way. You don't have to be a Bible expert. You, don't, you can be a beginner in the Bible. Uh, and a beginner in prayer. And if you've been praying and studying scripture for a good long time, you can experience a new freshness and inspiration in your prayer life. Before we begin, let's pray and then let's hear God in the reading of scripture. Today's prayer of illumination is based on Psalm 119. Please pray the underlined portions with me. Heavenly Father, we need wisdom and direction. Your word is truth and light to us. By your Holy Spirit, open our eyes to see and help us to understand. Teach us to love your word and lead us to live according to it. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 1, verses 1 and 2. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be fully equipped for every good work. So why should we pray the very words of scripture when we pray? Well, the first reason is that the Bible models it and Jesus commands it. 
I've said this many times in this series, many times before this series, so I'm not going to belabor the point, but I just want to review. When Jesus teaches uh, the disciples to pray in Luke 11, he's very explicit about praying the very words of the Lord's Prayer. He says, when you pray, say, and then he gives them the words to pray. One author puts it this way. He says, instead of fabricating something snappy to garner God's attention, Jesus would have us lose all such originality and simply plagiarize. He invites us to use his words in our prayers. Of course, that's not the only way he wants us to pray. Praying in our own words is vitally important. But using his words is one of the ways that he wanted us to pray. And he told us to do it. When Jesus went on the cross, he prayed the very words of scripture um, from several Psalms at various points while he was on the cross. And from what we know of the Judaism of his day, that's how he would have been taught to pray. Right from childhood, he would have been taught to pray from the Psalms. They would have been his prayer book and his song book to be used personally and when he gathered together with other believers in the synagogue. If you want to go deeper on this for this sermon, I invite you to go to my website, which is henry-williams.net, and watch the Bible Project video on the Psalms. It will blow your mind if you've never looked into this in any detail. Uh, Praying the very words of Scripture is all over the Bible. Sometimes it's subtle, a word or a phrase borrowed from the Bible, but sometimes it's whole sentences and paragraphs. There are passages in the Old Testament that pray the very words of older passages in the Old Testament. There are prayers in the New Testament that have been recorded that pray the very words of Old Testament passages. Eugene Peterson, who wrote the message, writes uh, this about prayer in Scripture. He says, prayer is answering speech. The first word is God's word. Prayer is a human word and is never the initiating and shaping word simply because we are never first, never primary. I love that definition of prayer. Prayer is answering speech. Prayer is the respo- a response to what God has revealed and uh, is telling us through his word. And then we respond in words of prayer. It's a conversation. We pray the words of Scripture because the Bible models it and Jesus commands it uh, when he tells us to pray the actual words of the Lord's Prayer. Second, we pray the words of Scripture because it gives us the words and direction we need in prayer. and We desperately need it. When we were young, our parents and teachers frequently said to us, say thank you, or what's the magic word, or Don't you need to say please? Our parents and teachers provided the very words to say. We actually never outgrow the need for those basic instructions. We still need to be reminded often to say please and thank you. But as we get older, our parents and teachers, they begin to explain more. They begin to tell us why it's important to say please and thank you. Maybe they did when we were younger, but we didn't understand them. They taught us about empathy by recalling how good it feels when someone appreciates what we've done for them. And we start to learn about the cost 
um, of someone's generosity, that what they did for us really cost them something, and their kindness. And, and we begin to feel the gratitude. Scripture informs our prayers in much the same way. It gives us the words we need, and we never outgrow the need for those words. And the reminders to say thank you to God or to even be reminded how to ask him for things. But the scripture also gives us direction in prayer. It gives us the reason behind or the reasons behind why we praise God and why we thank him. Without scripture guiding us, uh, we tend to pray the same things in the same ways. It's ironic that while my tradition that I grew up with implied that all my prayers had to be in my own words in order for them to count, my prayer life actually opened up in ways I could never have imagined when I started using prayers from scripture, prayers from others, sometimes from prayer journals or from other recorded uh, public prayers, and prayers from historic church liturgies. In my own words, I was repetitive and often wrote I was often going through the motions, praying the prayers of others, re-engaged my heart and re-engaged my mind and made the prayers I pray on my, in my own words regain life. It's ironic and it's sad that so many of us have had the same experience without discovering another way. Donald, Whit Whit uh, Donald Whitney has written a book called Praying the Bible. He explains that everyone prays about the same things whenever they pray, things like your family or their future or their work. Praying about the same things is natural and there is nothing wrong with it. The problem is that we say the same old things when we pray for those things. And when we pray about those same things through the lens of the words, the lens of scripture and the words of scripture, it's a different experience in prayer. Instead of saying for the umpteenth time, God bless my family. If I pray through Psalm 23, for instance, using its words and ideas, it comes out like this. Father, shepherd my family today. The shepherding imagery changes everything. And what if then you prayed for your children to love God and to follow his shepherding voice? Do you see how scripture gives the words and direction that we need for prayer? And what if a husband prays, and for my wife, help her not to fear, but to follow your guidance as she goes through the dark valley she's going through right now? Can you see how this begins to renew and motivate your prayer life? It overcomes the boredom of the same prayers in the same words every day. You pray about the same things, but you pray about them in a new and fresh way. And the possibilities are unlimited. All right. We pray the words of scripture because the Bible models it and Jesus commands it. Uh, he does so when he tells us to pray the words of the Lord's Prayer. Second, we pray the words of scripture because it gives us the words and direction we need in prayer. Third, we pray the Bible because it takes God's word deeper into our hearts and into our daily lives. To pray the scripture, you have to stop and understand it first. You have to meditate on it. You have to digest it. 
because you don't usually simply insert a name or an issue that you're praying for into the text. You have to appropriate it and then pray it. Praying scripture is a form of meditation. And the Bible calls us repeatedly to meditate on scripture. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, it says, Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. The Psalms begin like this, Psalm 1. Blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Praying scripture is an act of meditation because scriptural uh, meditating is a matter of slowing down, understanding, pondering, considering the words of God. It's not an emptying of our minds, but a strong focus on God and his word. Praying scripture requires understanding and meditating on the scripture, and that takes us deeper, it takes scripture deeper into our own minds and into our own hearts. Pray scripture, meditate, or ponder. Pray. It's a pattern you can follow when you bring God's word deeper in, in, into your heart and into your daily life. And when God's word is going deeper into our hearts and our minds, guess what? It changes the focus of how we live and how we relate to others. If you're praying about being a better shepherd to your kids and for your kids to know God as a loving shepherd, it begins to change your parenting. And, and, and shepherding is just one of the almost limited, unlimited number of, of images that you can pray for your kids and for anyone else. And as you pray, it begins to seep into the way you live and the way you act and the very way that you think. It gets worked out in your daily life. It takes God's word deeper into your life and into your actions. I'm praying from this location uh, today because this is, if you remember from an earlier sermon in this series, uh, this is uh, the spot where I... I, it's my, my special spot where uh, most days I spend a special time in prayer. Uh, so um, I just want to uh, spend a little bit of time giving you some practical tips on how to do what we're talking about here, practically speaking. And then I want to tell you about our next sermon series that starts next week. So here's the first tip. Grow to know God's word better. You want to pray scripture, you need to know his word better. That's why we offer the Story of God course several times a year. If you're new to the Bible, it's going to transform your reading of the Bible, and it will make you biblically literate in just six weeks if you're biblically illiterate. It's going to help you uh, to do that if you apply yourself during those six weeks. Now, here's the second tip. Pray the weekend's passage, passage that we study in the sermon, for your family, your friends, and your world during that week. If you're wondering, where do I start praying scripture? Just start with the passage or the passages that we look, looked at when we gathered together for worship. If you're reading through the Bible, uh, maybe on a plan, or you're using a devotional, that's another way to do it. Just stop and pray that day's passage or a verse from that day's passage for someone. Or pray it for a cause or for an issue in our world. It's important that we pray for our world. 
and for the issues that we're facing in life. Brian, uh, Pastor Brian uh, Loritz asked this very convicting question in a sermon. He says, how would the world be a better place or different if God answered your prayers? In other words, are you praying about justice issues like race, racism and sanctity of life? Are you praying for the, for the family in our world or, or for the gospel to spread in our land or for peace in war-torn countries? How would the world be a better place or different if God answered your prayers? Here's the third tip. Add verses to your prayer cards. I talked about prayer cards a few weeks ago when we, uh, we wrote a, a prayer tool for it, and you can look at the end of the sermon application guide to find all the prayer tools, and that one in particular, if you didn't catch that one. But simply think about a person or issue that's on your card that you're praying for, and then think about a verse, uh, a passage in Scripture that might apply to that. And, and then if you can't think of something, just go to Google and, and write in the words, Bible verses on and put in your subject, that thing that you want to be praying about. And then put that on the card and begin to understand it and pray it for that person. You need to know God's word better. You need to pray this last weekend's passage for your family, your friends, and even for our world. And add verses to your prayer cards. Those are some of the practical ways that you can begin praying the very words of Scripture in your prayer life on a daily basis. Our next series should also be a help uh, as well in putting into practice the things that we've been learning in this sermon. Uh, next week, uh, we start a brand new series called 21 Ways to Pray for the Next Generation and Anyone Else. This series is about praying for our own kids, our church's kids, and really anyone else by using scripture as a guide. The series continues our prayer training. And here's what I hope to happen as a result of this series. For one, I hope we'll learn and practice praying scripture. This will be a very inspirational series and, and one that will be highly practical. I also hope our parenting, grandparenting, and mentoring will be more gospel-centered and more gospel-shaped. Controlling the next generation, sin management, is not gospel-shaped parenting or mentoring. There's another hope of mine. Our Five Oaks kids and students are going to be bathed in prayer. They'll grow up loving Jesus and serving his mission. We're, we're not going to engage the next generation by our own efforts by just trying harder and certainly uh, not by getting louder. Simply teaching them the Bible and even knowing why they should believe it isn't enough, as absolutely important as that is. Prayer has always been the key for the kind of renewal and revival that ignites people's hearts and changes entire generations and changes societies. That's what this next series is about, and I hope You'll not only join us for it, but you will practice it. Practice all 21 ways over the 21 days of our series. As we prepare for communion, I want us to think about the fact that every week when we gather for corporate worship, we hear, meditate on, 
and even pray the words of Jesus in communion. His body was broken for us. His blood was shed for us. In Luke 22, it says, And he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. His body was broken for you. So I invite you to eat the bread of communion, remembering that. Now I invite you to take the cup and drink it. His blood was shed for you. Parents, if you have children with you who have, are not taking communion yet, invite you to follow the instructions on the card and pray that blessing on the next uh, slide and pray that blessing over them.